Somebody said, well, does just, is, is it semantics? Is, is speaking a word, does it really matter that much? Because we see that people baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. They, they were commanded to do that in Matthew 28. But when you get a revelation of his name, there's a few things you'll notice. Nobody ever prayed for healing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. No. No, that's because it's by his stripes. Whose stripes? Jesus' stripes. And so they said, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. When they cast out devils, they didn't say, come out in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. They said, in the name of Jesus. Why? Because he's got a name that's above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. And when you get baptized, you get baptized in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Oh, let's give him a hand clap of praise. I still feel some of that Holy Ghost from Sunday night bubbling up in this house right now. I still feel like the prayer wheel's turning in this house on a Tuesday night. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. David said this. He said, the Lord liveth and blessed be my rock and let the God of my salvation be exalted. He said, he girdeth me with strength. He makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like hinds feet and he makes me to be set on high places. So the Lord liveth. Aren't you glad he's alive? We sing that song, God's not dead. He's still alive. Oh, God's not dead. He's still alive. God's not dead. He's still alive. I feel him in my hands. I feel him in my feet. I feel him in my heart. I feel him all over me. God's not dead. He's alive. Help me sing. Well, God's not dead. He's still alive. Oh, God's not dead. He's still alive. Well, God's not dead. He's still alive. I feel him in my hands. I feel him in my feet. I feel him in my heart. I feel him all over me. God's not dead. He's alive. Well, my God's not dead. He's still alive. Oh, God's not dead. He's still alive. God's not dead. He's still alive. I feel him in my hands. I feel him in my feet. I feel him in my heart. 
I feel him all over me. God's not dead. He's, why don't you put your hands together and clap unto the Lord on a Tuesday night? If you know he's the one true living God, clap your hands unto the Lord. I feel him in my hands. I feel him in my feet. I feel him in my heart. I feel him all over me. God's not dead. He's alive. Well, now God's not dead. He's still alive. Oh, God's not dead. Well, God's not dead. He's still alive. I feel him in my hands. I feel him in my feet. I feel him in my heart. I feel him all over me. God's not dead. He's alive. Praise God. Praise God. Glory be to Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. You can find a seat in close if you are able. Woo, it feels good in the house of the Lord. The devil whispered to some people that the Holy Ghost can't move on a Tuesday night. But he forgot to tell this church. Amen. That kind of talk doesn't work around a Jesus name church. I was talking to Sister Gail the other day and, and we had a little conversation with a, uh, an official that represented the government. They said, well, we're, we're here to give businesses COVID relief, COVID relief. If you struggled during COVID, then we're here to help you. And I thought, well, we can use all the help we can get. And if you're going to give us some help, we'll, we'll take some COVID help. And so they, they sat down with Sister Gail, and they said something to this effect. I'm probably getting a few of the details wrong, but it went something like this. Uh, did, did your finances drop during COVID? She said, uh, no, no. No, they went up. Okay, well, all right see if you qualify here. Uh, how about your attendance? Did your attendance drop? No, 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 we grew. We grew during COVID. Question after question, we went up. We didn't go down. Finally, they said, you folks don't qualify for anything. I wish I could say I was sorry, but the truth is, God's not dead. He's alive. You can shut your doors. You can try to stop it, but you can't stop the name of Jesus. You can't stop the one true living God. Hey! It's a good time to be serving the Lord. Amen. I sat down and first watched the other day with a missionary and, and me and Brother Thompson. We sat down and and when we sat down, there was a lady sitting next to us, and she leaned over. She said, I just got to ask you, what church do you pastor? I said, oh, I pastor. I said, how do you know? She said, you just got that pastor vibration. 
I said, well, thank the Lord. And I'm glad she didn't get another kind of a vibration. And I said, well, I pastor First Pentecostal Church over on Carver Street. She said, oh, that church. I said, yeah, it's great. And she said, you know, we drive by it all the time, and your parking lot is full. She said, we had to close our doors because we couldn't get people to come to church. I said, I'm so sorry to hear that. I said, but you come on over here to our church, and we don't have any plans to close anytime soon. We're actually, we're actually possibly thinking about busting out a couple walls and maybe, maybe knocking over some things and rebuilding some things because... Whew, the prophet Isaiah said, spare not, lengthen thy cords, strengthen thy stakes, because it'll break out on the right hand and on the left hand, and thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. All right, I'm, I'm starting to preach, and I... <laughs> Amen. They told me Sister Ball was here tonight. You back there, Sister Ball? Amen. Thank the Lord. We've been praying for Sister Ball. She can be in church tonight. She's been watching online, but there's nothing like coming to church, is there, Sister Ball? Praise God. Amen. We love Brother and Sister Ball. Amen. And all of our visitors, if you're here tonight, we're glad that you've come. Good to have Sister Marley with us, helping out Bishop Godair and taking good care of him and, <laughs> and we love the Mitchell family and we're glad she can be here it's good to have Hamad Rofi again with us amen he was baptized in Jesus name on Sunday they have escaped from Afghanistan they are living in the United States and now they're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ hallelujah 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 glory to God We're so happy about it, friends of Sister Harriet. Amen. Amen. Good to have Travis here with Billy. Travis, we're glad you came to worship the Lord with us tonight. Amen. Denzel McDuffie is here, first-time guest. We're glad Denzel can be with us here tonight. Amen. Right here. God bless you, Denzel. Good to have you in the house of the Lord. It's good to have Brittany Pierce and Amber Smith visiting with us with Sister Victoria. God bless you all. Amen. And if we haven't got your name yet, we're so happy that you're here. We want you just to jump in with us. Just jump in. Just start lifting up Jesus. You'll find out that when you praise him, great things happen. When you speak that name, healing breaks out. When you start to glorify the Lord. I heard the writer say, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Praise God. Praise God. You know, the scripture says that when, when a person begins to live a blessed life and they enter into the will of God, that you can't keep up with stuff. And here's how, I mean, it doesn't say it just like that, but it, it says it kind of like this. I'll open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing and you won't be able to contain it. David, when he described it, he said, my cup runneth over. That's how he described it. One prophet said that, that the plowman would overtake the reaper. I mean, you got all kind of stuff going on, and you got people running over the top of each other. 
Today we had somebody to baptize in Jesus' name, and they said, do we have anybody? And I looked around, and that person was teaching a Bible study, and that one was working a new job, and this one was over here uh, taking care of something, and, and, and everybody was tied up, and I had to be in a meeting. I said, Sister Missy, can you help me? And Sister Missy jumped into action. When Sister Missy makes up her mind, things usually have a way of happening. <laughs> and we got Zaquana baptized, and thank God for it. Thank God for it. Amen. So we're excited about what the Lord is doing. I'm excited about this coming Thursday, July the 14th. Bishop Godier is having a birthday. <laughs> Amen. We love you, Brother Godier. I want you to come just greet the people tonight. We love you, Bishop. We appreciate you. Happy birthday in advance. Thank you, Brother Urshan. You may be seated for a moment. Everybody say praise the Lord. Isn't it good to be in church tonight? Amen, amen. And uh, come Thursday, I'm supposed to have a birthday. I was reading scripture the other day. It said, a man's years, brother, so will be three score and ten. And if by reason of strength it be four score, then it'll soon be cut off and you'll fly away. And I thought, man, I've already, I've already passed one mark. I've already passed the three score and ten. Then I'll pass the four score. And Thursday, I'll be 82. And I'm happy. Amen. Praise God. Isn't God good? Amen, amen. Maybe you see it. Good to be here tonight. Thank you, Brother Urshan. And uh, thank you, church, for all of your uh, great uh, benefit to me, to my wife, and family through the years. And I appreciate that so much. Talking about Marley being here. You can talk about being happy she's here, but she's not driving your car, Brother Urshan. <laughs> she's driving my car. And so that keeps me, Brother Newton, kind of on pins and needles all the time. Now, she's a pretty good driver, and uh, I'm glad she's here. I'm going to be here the rest of the week till Monday. But it's good to be in church, and I pray God will bless this service in a mighty way. Thank you. Amen. God bless Bishop Godair. We're so thankful. So thankful. God is so good. And we have some great things taking place. This coming Sunday, you don't want to miss it. Brother Larry Booker is going to be here Sunday morning, Sunday night, Tuesday night. Going to be a great outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And we're heading to the Peak Conference. And while the young people are on that trip, Brother Booker and, and Brother Godair, my father will be helping to take care of things. Amen. So thank the Lord for that. Amen. A few more things before I move to the word of the Lord. There is going to be on July the 29th and 30th. Put that on your calendar, July 29th and 30th. If you are a member in good standing and you want to sing in the choir, be ready to come to choir practice that night. Sister Joy Norris is going to be here. We're going to be preparing for East Coast Conference. And we got songs ready, and we are, we're going to start early so that we can blow the roof off this place. Amen. So if you would like to join us, see Brother Joseph Urshan and Sister Cheyenne Urshan, and they will help you with that. And mark your calendars, October 25th to the 27th. We're going to have the ministry of Brother Gary Robinson, Brother Ken Bow, Brother Kelly Patrick, Brother Caleb Adams, Brother Daniel McKillop, Brother Julio May, and Brother Ari Prado. Amen. 
and we are going to have a great time worshiping God. God's going to help us. I said God's going to help us. That's what the Bible says. It says the Lord will help us and that right early. Praise God. Amen. Let's stand together in the presence of the Lord. I can't wait to see what God is going to bring to pass. Amen. Let's go to the book of Isaiah chapter 58. I'm going to teach tonight. So I'm going to slow down just a little bit. Didn't we have a great time Sunday night? Thank you, Brother Galindo, for preaching. Amen. He obeyed the Holy Ghost. God helped us in that service. Brother Sam helped us in that service. Amen. <laughs> what, what is thy name? <laughs> Samuel. <laughs> Amen. That was good stuff. And then we took off at 3 o'clock in the morning, the next morning, to go fishing in Moorhead City. And Brother Marty Farah, he did a great job putting that together. Thank you, Brother Marty. We love you and appreciate you. And I appreciate you taking the time to do that. And I caught a monster. Was it Cobia? Cobia. I was so, it was like 30, 35 pounds. And I fought that thing, and, and it was like fighting Leviathan. And I fought it, and everybody got out of the way, and I got it up to the boat, and we get ready to scoop it up, and pump popped off. The one that got away. And it started out that big and it moved to that big and that big and give me enough time and it'll be, it'll be about five feet long by the time we're done with it. <laughs> we, we, had a, we had a great time. I looked down and saw Brother Jeff Newton and Brother, Brother Brian Henley. They were a little green around the gills about halfway through. <laughs> When the waves started crashing. But God helped us. God helped us. Amen. Isaiah chapter 58. In verse 1, this is what the prophet said. Cry aloud, spare not. Lift up thy voice like a trumpet and show my people their transgression, the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness. And forsook not the ordinance of their God. They ask of me the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching to God. Wherefore have we fasted, say they, and thou seest not? Wherefore have we afflicted our soul, and thou takest no knowledge? Behold, in the day of your fast you find pleasure, and you exact all your labors. Behold, you fast for strife and debate, and to smite with the fist of wickedness. You shall not fast as you do this day, to make your voice to be heard on high. Is it such a fast that I've chosen, a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head as a bulrush, and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Wilt thou call this a fast, an acceptable day to the Lord? And then he said, this is the kind of fast I'm looking for. Is not this the fast I have chosen? To loose the bands of wickedness. To undo the heavy burdens. 
to let the oppressed go free and that ye break every yoke. Hallelujah. Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry and that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house? When thou seest the naked that thou cover him and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh? If you'll do that, then shall thy light break forth as the morning. Thine health shall spring forth speedily. Thy righteousness shall go before thee, and the glory of the Lord shall be thy rearward. Praise God. I want to take some time and teach on a subject. It is a subject that is becoming increasingly an issue. I want to talk to you for a few moments and teach on this thought. The hidden idolatry. The hidden idolatry. God bless you. You can be seated. <clears throat> I was reading a while back and I ran across a word that I don't know if I have ever heard it preached on. A word that perhaps people might not give it a lot of thought, but we're going to talk about it tonight. It was found in Luke chapter 21, verse 34. This is what Jesus told them. He said, take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts, look at this phrase, be overcharged with surfeiting, with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life and so that day come upon you unawares. Surfeiting. When was the last time you thought about whether or not you had a problem with surfeiting? And I don't mean getting a board and going to the ocean and catching the nearest wave. That's not what surfeiting is. But surfeiting is an increasingly great problem. It's associated with drunkenness and cares of this life. I don't know that I have ever seen a time when people were more spoiled than they are today. I mean, it's enough to make you sick to see the entitlement, to see people who have, have not worked a fraction as hard as their grandparents did. Wailing about how horrible things are. And it has a lot to do with this word. Before I launch into the word, I want to I wanna just take my time tonight. Because I want, as Jesus said, the church to take heed. And, and I don't mean to take heed to your neighbor and fix all of their business. We got all kind of people ready to take heed to everybody else. But he said, take heed to yourselves. Take responsibility for yourself. Don't look for someone to blame. 
and someone to pin the responsibility on. It's like when God came to them in the garden and said, have you sinned? And the first thing Adam did was the quick little two-step to the side. The woman! And when the spotlight came to the woman, she, it was like Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers just did, did a little two-step the other way. The snake! And they danced all around it. But it takes a man and a woman with integrity to lift up their eyes and to say it like David said it in Psalms 51. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight that thou mightest be clear when thou judgest and justified when thou speakest. I'm not clouding the issue. I'm not muddying the waters. I'm not obfuscating. I'm not hiding. I'm not running. I want you to be very clear. I don't want you to have to track down witnesses. I don't want you to have to interview anybody. I am coming to you and laying it all out on the table. If a man or a woman will make that their decision, God will bless them. But more and more, we're finding people who are so bound and so overcome, they can't stop their wickedness. They're so tied up. They're so locked up. They're so, I'll use this word and we'll come back to it, they're so addicted. Addiction, I'll let you just in on it from the very beginning, is the hidden idolatry. Addiction and idolatry. The Bible doesn't use the word addiction. It uses the word covetousness. But the Bible says covetousness, which is idolatry. There is a strong appetite. There is a, a strong hunger that grips a person and causes them to pursue false gods that can never heal them. And chemical substitutes that mimic joy. But it's a, maybe a two or three hour high that is supposed to replace joy and then the next hit, it's not quite three hours. And then the next, it's not even two hours. And you have to up the dose and you become desensitized to it till finally your body falls apart. The devil's in the business of killing people. He wants your teeth falling out of your head. He wants your lungs turning black. He wants your liver rotted out of your body. He wants to shorten your life and kill you so that you cannot raise up godly children and grandchildren, so that you cannot lift your voice and give glory to the God of heaven and earth. He wants you to chase the bottles and the trinkets of this world. He wants appetite to dominate you. And I find it often, I'll, I'll, you'll find somebody that's addicted to something. It can be anything. It can be alcohol. Frequently, it is alcohol. Frequently, it's nicotine, cigarettes. Now we're finding that illicit drugs. I have, I have fought the demon of crack cocaine in people's lives, and it is a demon. Methamphetamines. If you've ever seen the, the picture of people before they began and then 
five years later, what it does to them. It literally ages them by decades as their body falls apart. These addictive circumstances are illicit substances, and that's not even to get into the over-counter the counter stuff. Somebody has a back operation. The pain was so great they got onto the opioid and it dulled the pain and it helped them, but when, when they finally got to the end of the prescription, they found out it was a lot harder to put down than it was to pick it up. And you can get a craving. You can get, you go through withdrawals. You shake. Your, your hands tremble. Sweat breaks out all over you. And, and you find out that you are dependent on the opiate. I don't know all the names. Oxycontin and whatever else it is. And people, they pursue it. They chase it. They worship it. And then there's the internet addicts. There's the porn addicts. There's the dopamine that is triggered in the brain and the pleasure centers of the brain. And people find that they cannot stop their addiction to electronic stimuli to the point that they can't even hold a proper marriage because they don't know how to love. They become so self-absorbed. They become so lost. And it's happening at a younger and younger age. Years ago, Larry Flint challenged the anti-obscenity laws, laws that were put in place they said that it will corrupt children, it will corrupt families, it will break down the fabric of society. And Larry Flint, with all of his outlandish uh, ways, the young people probably don't know him, the older people, you know who I'm talking about. And the devil used that man to undermine legal precedence and to tear apart the fabric of the morality of, of our country. And he was a pioneer of hell. And he played games and he... And he Manipulated, and he had lawyers, and he had money, and he was a showman. And just like that, the devil worked his way into the public mainstream. And ever since that day, there has been a horrific breakdown. I was talking to the young adults one day, and I said, do not ever let yourself get caught up in fornication. Don't ever let it happen, because, because you think that you can handle sin. The truth is no person can handle sin. And I will, I will just say this plainly. Fornication is one of the greatest drivers of poverty the world has ever seen. If you look at the statistics, single motherhood is one of the greatest burdens that has been placed upon a nation. And, and because men will not be shepherds and they won't control themselves and they're so filled with surfeiting, they are filled with illicit desire and overconsumption that they don't work anymore and they don't labor for what is right and they don't lift up their eyes to the God of heaven and earth. They just chase the thrill that comes with each day. They wake up in the book of Proverbs when it speaks of alcohol. It says that they will, their eyes will behold strange women. They have wounds without cause and redness of eyes. And they reel to and fro like a, like a drunken sailor on a ship. And it says that I will lay down and I will sleep, and when I awake, I will seek it yet again. That's an old Hebrew way of saying that there's something that has dominion over you. There's something taking the place of God. 
Amen. Men were never supposed to be scoundrels and gigolos and playboys or whatever word you want to put onto it. They were never supposed to do that. They were supposed to be sons of God. They were supposed to be men who followed after the Lord, who were shepherds of their household. Those children need a father. They need a shepherd in the house. If there's no shepherd, the wolf has free access. And to pursue pleasure at the expense of responsibility is to doom a nation. You'll have a generation that rises up that doesn't know what a father is. I thank God for every father that's in this room right now. I thank God for men, fathers and grandfathers that planted their feet and looked at the devil and said to that old devil, you do not control me. That had the strength of purpose to find a prayer room and overcome the devils that warred against them. I know there's devils that pull on men and women. I know they try to pull you out of covenant with God. But there's got to be a man of God and a woman of God that says we're not moving. The Lord is my strength. Keep your little cheap thrills. I've got the Holy Ghost. I don't want the pleasures of sin for a season. I want the pleasures forevermore. Hallelujah. I want to serve God. I want to raise my family. That's the joy that comes from living a godly life. So take heed to yourselves. Surfeiting means, it means that you have overconsumed. It's gluttony. It's when you have so much that you're sodden. It means that, that you have so much that you can't be thankful, that you begin to spoil. But you know, when God gave manna to the people, he had this, this rule that he gave to them that you had to gather it every day. Every day. Powerful teaching that you're supposed to read your Bible every day. You don't live on yesterday's blessing. You don't cruise on last week's Sunday night service. But when you wake up in the morning, it's a new day and his mercies begin new every morning and you gather the manna. I don't mean you go out in your backyard and you start gathering manna. I mean you open your Bible and you begin to gather chapter by chapter, verse by verse. You begin to gather the manna, the bread of life. And in case you don't know it, Jesus is the bread of life. And you gather him fresh every day. You need Jesus every day. You need the Holy Ghost every day. You need a fresh touch from God every day. And so not only did it teach faithfulness and continuity, but it also told, taught you enough to gather enough for today. If you held it over and were lazy, it rotted. Surfeiting is a rottenness. It's when you have so much that it begins to break you down. Here's what David said. He said, feed me with food that is convenient for me. He said, don't give me so little that I steal and I fall out of favor with man. Don't give me too much 
that I curse your name. But feed me with food that is convenient for me. God knows what we need. Amen. And God will give you treasure in proportion to how you can handle it. Let me say that again because somebody needs to get that. God will give you blessing, favor, and treasure in proportion to how you can handle it. God wants to give you a million dollars, but not if it's going to make you a jerk. God wants to give you that big house and that blessing. Praise God. Thank God for it. But not if it's going to make you start missing church on Sunday. Not if it's going to make you start missing out on giving your tithe and your offering. Not if you... Not if you can't listen to the pastor anymore because you got lifted up and your heart was overcharged. Well, I can't come to church this week. I got to go to Disney World. I can't come to church this week. We're having a company barbecue. I can't come to church this week. My family's coming in. You are being overcharged. You got to remember where he brought you from. You got to remember who put that first dollar in your pocket. You got to remember the pit that he pulled you out of. Everything I got, God gave it to me. The clothes I'm wearing, God gave them to me. The house that I'm living in, God gave it to me. The car I'm driving, the children that I have, God gave it, God gave it, God gave it to me. And if the treasure is going to make me miss out with God, God, take it away. Can you remember when you didn't have anything? Somebody said, I still don't have anything, Pastor. Well, just hang around. God's not done yet. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's there's, a, there's a simplicity to giving you make a couple hundred dollars you, when, when, when Sunday comes you give you tithe and offering 10% offering on top of that tithe and offering and you, you, you give it to the Lord and, and, and it's not as hard to do when you got $500, but if it's $5,000, then you go, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on. That's a lot of money. That's the same amount of money. And it's God's good pleasure to give it to people if they won't become exalted within themselves. If they don't tell themselves, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger barns. I believe that we are to serve God in proportion to that. I'll never forget it, Brother Godair. We, would, we were starting our church. We had single mothers that gave more tithe than offering and were faithful than wealthy people that came. The church was supported by the simple people who had the least. And the ones who had the most would come in with their head lifted up. And, and it, it would astonish me. And it has to do with being overcharged. It has to do. Proverbs 25, 16 says this. Hast thou found honey? Eat so much as is sufficient for thee. 
lest thou be filled therewith and vomit it. This overconsumption, this overstimulation, this hyperstimulation, people can't even sit down and read a book. People can't sit still for 15 minutes. When they come to church, when they come to church, they, they're fidgeting and they're looking around. And, and they can't hardly sit still because they've been so hyper-stimulated. They can't sit still in a Bible study and concentrate on what you're saying because their mind is bouncing all over the place. This is what it means to be surfeited. I'm watching people in the community and in the nation. They scream and they holler and they rage. And they've never had it better. We are living in the greatest country the world has ever known. There's more access to education. There's more access to finance. There, there's more This is the land of opportunity. Even though through all that it's been through, it is still the land of opportunity. There are still lines a mile long trying to get in for a place that's so bad. It's amazing that people are fighting to get in. Uh, we, with our air condition and our leather seats and our heated steering wheels, come on. Don't talk to me about persecution and, and lack of opportunity. You've got the same opportunity everybody else has. Amen. And so God told us, don't be overcharged. And sometimes... He's got to get a hold of us. That's what Isaiah is talking about. Is this a fast that I have chosen? Let me tell you the kind of fast that I have for you. God is interested in loosing the bands of wickedness. For a people that are so free, that, that are smarter than we've ever been, more educated than we've ever been, we are more bound than we've ever been. So bound, they can't even get out of bed and work a job. The economy's falling apart because people won't work. When they're paying 20 bucks an hour to wash cars, don't tell me you can't make it. God's looking for somebody to grab this by the horns and say, this, this is a good day. This is a great day. There's opportunity. There's blessing. There's favor. He's looking for a man that will say, the Lord is my light. The Lord is my strength. Lay down the bottle. Lay down the cigarette. Lay down the marijuana. Lay down the cocaine. Lay down the internet porn. Lay down the promiscuity. Lay down the vanity and the pride that is robbing you of your best years. Lift up your eyes unto heaven and worship the God that gave you life. He will bless you. He will increase you. Then shall thy light break forth as the morning. Praise God. I'm watching, I'm watching people that they come to church and they're so addicted to substance that they, they can't seem to stop. They'll leave a, a service and they'll go out and they'll go back to their old friends. Let me tell you one of the first things you've got to do if you've got an addiction. Cut off your friends. 
If you are dating somebody that's not in church, cut it off. It's not of God. It's not of God. What fellowship does light have with darkness? The temple of God have with idols. Praise God. Those friends that have the same problem you have, cut them off. Well, they've been with me a long time, Brother Urshan. You can still love them. You can still pray for them, but cut them off. Separate yourself. Light has to separate from darkness. Every time God called somebody to his purpose, they had to cut off wickedness. Amen. Abraham had to come out of his country, come out of his kindred and his people and his nation unto another land. God separated him from what he knew so he could show him a better life and a better way. Moses had to walk out of Egypt. Jacob had to leave Esau over and over. They had to leave their nets and follow Jesus. You've got to step out from what you know and are familiar with. Delete the numbers out of your phone. Stop hanging around wickedness. Get away from the darkness. Walk towards the light. Cut it off. God can't deliver you if you keep going back to it. Somebody say amen. Let me tell you what God will do to you. Job 33, verse 15. Job 33. Turn there. I'm going to read some scriptures. And I want you to follow me. Job 33, verse 14. For God speaketh once, yea, twice, yet man perceiveth it not. God's talking to you right now. God's been talking to you ever since you set foot in FBC and TDV. God's been talking to you. Every Bible study, he's talking to you. At lone soldiers, he's talking to you. At youth service, he's talking to you. At peak conference, he's talking to you. But the Bible says, man perceiveth it not. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falleth upon men, in slumberings upon the bed, you know, there's a lot of people that will feel that inward magnetism and they're not comfortable and they know it. They know it. We have people come walking through these doors and they'll say things like, I just knew I had to get back to church. I knew that something was missing in my life. I had a Bible study with a man and a woman last week and she said, I knew that my life was a wreck and I needed something more. God speaks to us in a dream, in a vision of the night. Verse 16, then he openeth the ears of men and sealeth their instruction. Why? Verse 17, that he may withdraw man from his purpose. Stop living for yourself. Stop living for ABC liquor. Stop living for the weed man. Start living for Jesus. If you've got somebody that keeps getting arrested and you've spent $50,000 on bail money and you're struggling financially, that's not the devil. That's you. 
Stop. Separate from the wicked. And if they keep getting arrested, leave them in there to marinate for a while. Just threw that one in for free. That he may withdraw man from his purpose and hide pride from man. He keepeth back his soul from the pit and his life from perishing by the sword. Sometimes God will lock you up just long enough to get you to pray. Sometimes God will let you get in a wreck to put you in a hospital for three months so you'll finally read your Bible. Sometimes God will give you a diagnosis just so you'll go to Bible study. Verse 19, he's chastened also with pain upon his bed and the multitude of his bones with strong pain so that his life abhorreth bread and his soul dainty meat. His flesh is consumed away that it cannot be seen and his bones that were not seen stick out. God will reduce you down to the lowest common denominator. In your mind, you should be thinking prodigal son. In your mind, you should be thinking of the people that God allowed to go out and waste their lives. God doesn't give up on you. He just causes you to be withdrawn from your purpose. He turns you over to Satan so that you can destroy your flesh so your spirit can be saved. Yea, his soul draweth near unto the grave and his life to the destroyers. Verse 23, here's where we turn the corner. If there be a messenger with him, an interpreter, whew, one among a thousand, to show unto man his, God's, uprightness. Praise God. Aren't you glad for the day the interpreter showed up? I'm praying that we can get interpreters to come and help us. We need some people that can put one hand on the things of God and one hand out into the world and say there's a better way. We need some people that can speak the language. We need Bible study teachers. We need Sunday school teachers. We need lone soldiers. We need people. Hallelujah. We need interpreters that can interpret Acts 2.38 and John 3.5. We need interpreters that can interpret holiness. We need interpreters that can tell somebody about the oneness of God. I need a messenger. I need an interpreter. If you can find that, verse 24, then he is gracious unto him and saith, this is God, deliver him from going down to the pit. I have found a ransom. Whew. By the way, that's Jesus. His flesh shall be fresher than a child's. He shall return to the days of his youth. He shall pray unto God and he will be favorable unto him. He shall see his face with joy for he will render unto man his righteousness. He looketh upon men and if any say I have sinned and perverted that which was right and it profited me not, he will deliver his soul from going into the pit and his life shall see the light. Here's what I love. Lo, all these things worketh God oftentimes with man. 
You think you're the only one that's been through this. You think you're the only one that's in the bottom of that hole. God's done it to a thousand, ten thousand people before you. And it's not because he hates you. It's because he loves you. He wants to bring you to a place where you'll call on his name. He wants to bring you to a place where you'll lift your eyes. Hallelujah. He'll drop you to the ground like Nebuchadnezzar. He'll throw you to the ground like Saul. And it's so that he can deliver you and save you and break the chains off of you. And he'll break the hold of idolatry that's on your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Here's what the Bible says of the wicked in Ezekiel chapter 16. It tells you what happened with Sodom and Gomorrah. And it's happening right now. We're right in the middle of this. Isaiah 16, 49. Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. Pride, fullness of bread, an abundance of idleness was in her. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and the needy. You're living in a world that has a lot of pride. A world that has an abundance of bread. And they're filled with idleness. You're looking right now at people that sit in front of a screen and just scroll for six, seven, and eight hours a day. You're looking at people that let the wicked think for them. We're living in a world that has more at their fingertips than they've ever had, and they are less thankful, and they grow more godless with each passing day. This is idolatry. This leads to a people that can't put down the bottle that can't put down the drugs, that can't put down the illicit relationships. The Bible said having eyes full of adultery that cannot cease from sin. So there is this continued returning, returning, returning. God gives us the recipe on how to break it. It is not God's will for you to be a slave. It is God's will to break that vicious cycle. Your grandfather might have been an alcoholic, but you don't have to be an alcoholic. The fathers have eaten a sour grape and the children's teeth are set on edge. But the day will come when I will pour out my spirit upon them and every man can live. And you don't have to be what your grandpa was. And you don't have to be what your father was. And you don't have to be what your neighborhood was. Praise God. And there's too many times that people are taking a handful of pills and chasing it with whiskey just so they can kill themselves. There's too many people that are pulling guns out and putting them to their temple. There's too many people 
that are ending things because they see no hope. They are in the endless cycle of addiction with a God that will never heal them, that will never hear their prayers, and that will destroy them an inch at a time. Hallelujah. There's a God in heaven that wants to cast the legion out of everybody that's filled with the devil. There's a God in heaven that can overcome the troop of devils that has held you bound for all these years. He'll break that addiction from off of your life. He'll fill you with the Holy Ghost. You know what addiction is? It's a satanic faithfulness. It's where the fire is not quenched and the worm dieth not. That's what addiction is. It's the slow decomposition of a person, the breaking down of a person. And there'll be good people that have a relative, a brother, an uncle, a cousin, a niece. And they try to help them. They try to help them get a job. They help them get a car. They help them get an apartment or whatever. And they're like, come on, come on, you can do it. But if, 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 they, if the person never, never breaks the chains, if they never change their behaviors and their, and their goals and they never take a look at themselves, take heed to yourselves. Lest you be filled with surfeiting, overindulgence, having too much. These last couple minutes, I'm going to close. Sometimes one of the best things God can do is take everything away from you. There have been people that chained themselves in a room so that they would not yield to their addictions. There have been people that will go to rehabs where they will lock them down so that they can get the chemicals out of their body because their neural receptors are aflame with the addictive passion. God sometimes, he'll cause the bones that are not seen to stick out. He'll allow you to get to a point where you are so low that you're either going to die or you're going to turn to God. His soul draweth nigh to the grave. I'm talking to somebody tonight to tell you that there's an answer for that idolatry. You don't have to kneel before a God that cannot see and cannot hear and cannot touch. But you can have a high priest that can be touched by the feelings of our infirmities. And that was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. There's a God that's been there, that has reached out, that has descended to the lowest valley, and has ascended to the highest peak. His name is Jesus, and he came to save his people from their sins. Hallelujah. God wants to break chains off of people right now. God wants to break chains off of people right now. Hallelujah. Musicians can come. You can remain standing. The prodigal 
We don't view it as this, but it's what it is. He went on a fast. It might have been an involuntary fast, but it was a fast. He had wasted all of his substance. And he was feeding the pigs. And the Bible said he would fain have filled his belly with the husks. There's a voluntary fasting. We don't talk about it probably as much as we should. But there's a voluntary deprivation. There's a voluntary deprivation that pushes the plate back and says, I can't let appetite control me. The same appetite that causes you to hunger for food is the same appetite that controls all the other appetites. And if those appetites dominate you, then it's time. It's time to tackle the flesh head on. It's time to push some things back and say, man shall not live by bread alone. But by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. You know, the Bible says that when they came together for the Lord's Supper, 1 Corinthians 11, they would come together for the Lord's Supper, that, that they would eat and become drunk. And, and, and Paul, teaching the church, said, don't you have homes to eat in? That's not why you come to take the Lord's Supper. We do this in remembrance of him. And we eat and we drink damnation to ourselves because we eat and drink unworthily. And, 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 and you can't participate in that without your heart being right. But there's another element to that. He was also addressing the spirit of gluttony and surfeiting. An appetite that wants too much. An appetite that eats for flavor and pleasure. An overindulgent drunkenness that causes your senses to grow dull. He said, for this reason, many of you are weak and sickly, and many of you are fallen asleep. I'm going to say something right now. I think the body of Christ needs to get a good revelation of what fasting does for us. I think of people that never fast are in trouble. I think that there are some devils that come not out, but by prayer and fasting. I think you can cry out to the Lord to be delivered, and you will never be delivered until you break that in your life. It's where you get alone with God, then you face yourself. You can look up the medical benefits of fasting. You can look about how your sugar levels fall and, and certain hormones come to life, and there are things that happen over a period of time. There's a reason why God told us to do that. I want God to hear me. I want to silence the competing voices. I want to silence all the voices that bombard me, that, that come against me on a daily basis. You can't even think straight because it's coming from the internet. It's coming from friends. It's coming from your cell phone. It's coming from work. It's coming from everywhere. Sometimes you just got to get alone with a still, small voice and let God cleanse your mind out. One of, the, one of the writers said, I humbled my soul through fasting. There comes a time when things have to break. 
I'm afraid my vocabulary is not good enough to articulate what I'm trying to say tonight. But I don't want to lose my ability to be thankful. I don't want to become calloused and sodden with pleasure to where I can't hear the voice of God. I need to hear God's voice. We need to hear God's voice. If we'll do it, he'll break out like the light. He'll break out like the day. Hallelujah. God wants to break out among his people. Hallelujah. Sometimes we just got to get alone with God in a prayer room, fasting and prayer and calling on his name until idolatry is broken. Addiction is broken. You know what the Bible says? It says, the Lord is my shepherd, and it deals directly with addiction when it says this next part. I shall not want. God knows how to push back on addiction. He'll kill the cravings that cause you to want. Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands to heaven. God wants to break the chains of addiction from people. There's people here, you've got relatives that are addicted to things and you, you're praying for them and you've pled the blood over them. I want you to pray for them tonight. Maybe it's time to go on a fast for them. Maybe it's time that they begin to fast to break it. Hallelujah. I want to kill every influence that tries to bind me and I want God to have free reign in my life. I'm going to open this altar. I want somebody to come. Take heed to yourselves. What is your heart full of? What is your imagination? What are your thoughts filled with? Hallelujah. I want my eye to be single. I want my body to be full of light. Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands. Let's ask God to move in this place. God wants a man to control his imaginations. God wants a woman to control her emotions. God wants to bring stability and peace to a family. God wants to fill people with his spirit to where their cup runs over. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's it. I want to open this altar to somebody. I want you to come and lift your voice. Come and lift your hands. Come and lift your heart. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Brother William, I want some of you brethren to come. We have a gentleman here, Brother Ezzy, Brother Maynard. We have a gentleman here that needs prayer. Hallelujah. I want you to lift your hands to heaven and call on the name of the Lord. In the name of Jesus, somebody lift your voice right now. God's working on people's hearts. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I need you to deal with my pride. I need you to do with my, deal with my selfishness. 
I need you to deal with my thought life. I need you to deal with the decisions I'm making. I've got family members that need a touch from God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. That's it. Speak the name of Jesus in this place. My heart belongs to you, Lord. I want to be filled with the things of God. I want my heart, my mind, my soul to be filled with the good things of God. Above all else, I must be saved for whatever That's it. Lift your voice. I'm talking to teenagers right now. I'm talking to young people. Hallelujah. I want my heart to be right with God. I want my, my mind to be right with God. I want to serve the Lord with all my heart. name of Jesus. If there's an interpreter, a messenger, one among a thousand that can reveal to man the uprightness of God. Hallelujah. I want him to see the beauty of God, the word of God, the blessing of the Lord. Let the Holy Ghost touch your heart. Lest your heart be overcharged. Don't give me too much, Jesus. Don't let me lose sight of what's right. Let my heart be in tune with you. Let my ear be inclined to you.
for above all else, above all else. That's it. Lift up your voice. Lift up your voice. Speak the name of Jesus in this house. I must be saved. You have. Don't let me be lost. The Holy Ghost is touching people right now. The Holy Ghost is ministering to people right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Touch their hearts, God. Touch their hearts. Touch their minds. Touch their spirits. In the name of Jesus, let your Holy Ghost, let your Holy Ghost move upon them tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, don't let me be lost. One last time, let's lift our hands. In these waning moments, hallelujah, let's take just a moment. Order my house, God, order my steps. Give me a heart that is sensitive to your voice. Close off the competing voices. be saved whatever you have don't let me be lost 
Let's lift our hands to heaven. Let's love God together. Let's love the Lord together. Let's give thanks to the King of Kings. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise tonight. Amen, 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 amen. Sometimes God will isolate you and will pull you out and will put you into circumstances that might seem bad, but he does it to save you, to bring you to a place of repentance, to acknowledging that he is King of kings and Lord of lords. And people that are too proud and too busy and so full, God loves them enough to take it all away and give them a moment of sanity. They took John and they put him on the Isle of Patmos all by himself, Brother Godair, away from all human interaction. And, and you might think that's the end of things, but there was time there to talk to the Lord. And after a little while, all of a sudden, he said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Hallelujah. Sometimes I just got to get alone with God. Amen. Amen. We're praying for you. We're believing God for great things. I believe it was Brother Tory that said we want to stay in the same vein of worship and, and, and miracles that are happening. We have an unction tonight. That's a good pathway. It's a good direction we're going. Let's continue to pray and keep our hearts right. Let's have revival. Let's win somebody to God. And let's believe God for all the good things he's going to do. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed tonight. Take the word of the Lord with you. as.